everybody. Welcome to episode 39 of The Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we have a very special guest with us here today. Hey, I'm Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Michael. This is Michael Kindness from Books on the Nightstand podcast. And today we're talking with him at a rest stop in Connecticut. (laughs) Apparently when we meet with Michael, it's in odd places. Our first recording was in a stairwell in in Providence. Providence, Yeah, I remember it well. (laughs) We moved up. We're actually sitting in chairs this time. Exactly. (laughs) You guys treat your guests so well. That's right. That's right. Our recording studios are awesome. Uh, but so you might hear a little background music or background sound or someone ordering a Big Mac, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> those are the things you might hear behind us, but hopefully our, our voices will carry through. It's ambiance. Yes, yes, yes that's exactly. right. That's yes. right. So I think Michael's going to tell us about some books that we have access to now and access to in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, and some, some of these are things, I'm going to start with a book that is uh, six years old, I think. Um I just listened to the audio of Ready Player One mm-hmm. by Ernest Cline because the movie comes out in a couple weeks, couple months, uh, like a month or so, I think sometime in March. Um, I'm worried about the movie. I'm worried Sorry. that they're going to not be able to get the whole story in, that they're going to mess it up somehow. It's Steven Spielberg, so I have more faith than I probably would, but listening to the audio of this just reminded me how much I love this book. It's set in 2044. The world's a pretty bad place, but everyone lives in this virtual reality world. And the creator of the of the world called the Oasis has just passed away and left an an Easter egg hidden somewhere in the in the worlds. And you so all these people start trying to find the the there's three keys you have to find and they open three gates and that will lead you to the the Easter egg, which the prize is you get his entire fortune, which is billions of dollars and control of this of this virtual world. So the main character is this kid who starts doing it because it seems interesting but then realizes that there's this evil company that wants to take over the Oasis and start charging people for it and monetizing it and just changing what it is. So it becomes this race against time. And the audio is read by Will Wheaton who, oh, cool. I who love um, you know, yeah. for those who don't know, was uh, <laughs> one of the kids in Stand By Me and was uh, Wesley Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation. There's a great part in the in the um, audio where he has to say his own name because he's mentioned in the book. Um, <laughs> That's funny. But he's, he does a great job awesome. narrating it. And, and he's just a so much big bang. Too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah himself. as himself. Yes. Yep. Oh. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's the uh, one thing I forgot to mention. The, the creator of the Oasis was a, was grew up in the '80s, and everything about this quest is based in '80s pop culture and video games and movies. And it's for someone like me who grew up in the '80s, it's fun, but I know a lot of people who didn't, who still love the book. So, um, if you're thinking about going to see the movie, I definitely recommend reading the book first. And how are, how's the audio versus the, the reading experience? Um, I love them both. I mean, I read the, I read the book six, seven years ago before it first came out. Um, but the, the audio was just really immersive and it was one of those things where I brought it inside and I listened to it while I was sitting on the couch where I'd normally be reading a book. Um, so I, it, I thought it was great. That's great. Now that's a book that I I gave as gifts mm-hmm. to people, and I haven't read it myself. But yeah. from everything I'd heard, I knew that they would like it. So yeah. I think it's time for me to read it. Yeah, it's a lot sure. of fun. Yeah, yeah. And if you, I mean, if you're going to be in your car and you like listening to audiobooks, it is a great audio. Great. So. And you know what? One thing we forgot to mention is that Michael is a rep, a book rep for Random House. Yeah. So listen to what he says. If you're not familiar with Michael, right. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a 
a great resource. That's why I can tell you guys about books that aren't coming out yes. for six months or <laughs> in one. The book I'm reading right now doesn't come out until next January, which is it's hard. Well, yeah. that's what you did with the Immortalist last year because yep. we yeah. saw you, I think, in February. In February, and that's you right. talked about yeah. the Immortalist. That's right. So mm-hmm. people are just reading it now. Yeah. So that's okay. We, yeah, we don't mind that. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about the book that comes out next January because. We don't have a title for it yet, which uh, makes it kind of hard. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the book that has no name. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, another book that I read that came out um, in October uh, in paperback. It was a paperback original. It's called Faster Than Normal. Mm-hmm. The subtitle is Tur- Turbocharge Your Focus, Productivity, and Success with the Secrets of an ADHD Brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I have ADHD, and it, basically what he says is people who do, people who don't, you can learn to use those kinds of, of it's not a disability to him he basically hmm. has found how to focus himself um, exercise he always finds he's much more focused after exercise the um, the uh, importance of finding something that you care about and getting into that flow that people often talk about uh, is so important one thing that made me realize I was going to love this book from the very beginning was he he has these little sidebars, he says, that are important. And if you see one of these, you should look at it. It's just like a little blip of information that I think is important. But they're called Squirrel. So it's like, it's from it's that movie. Up. It's like, you know, the dog's walking along. He's like, Squirrel. Yeah. So, I mean, every time you see the little squirrel thing, it's like, you know, that it's a little a little sidebar. That's fun and, That's and interesting. Um, he's, I didn't even, I even think I said the author's name, Peter Shankman. He... Um, is someone who has started a bunch of companies. He does a podcast called Faster Than Normal. Um, he is friends with Edward Hallowell, who who wrote the book uh, Driven to Distraction, which was one of the first books to talk about ADHD. So uh, he uh, Hallowell writes the introduction, and I think it, it I it was one of those books where I underlined a lot of stuff. And he does say that even for people who don't have ADHD, there are tools in here that you can uh, adapt to mm. give yourself more focus. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was really interesting. Um, yeah, it sounds good. It sounds like something I could use. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and my son has ADHD, so I'm sort of like trying to adapt some of these things into ways I'm pushing him in certain directions. Yeah, that's and great. It's yeah. good. It's good. Uh, a book that just came out at the end of January uh, is probably one of the best page turners I've read in a long time. It's called Need to Know by Karen Cleveland. And she was a CIA analyst. And the main character in this book is a CIA analyst, no surprise. But the main character has been working on trying to track down these sleeper Russian agents. And she finally gets access to the laptop of the person who's supposed to be the the ringleader of all these agents. And she opens a folder on his desktop that says friends in Russian. And there's a picture of her husband. Oh. That's the first chapter. Wow. That's the first chapter. Oh, that sounds chapter. good. I'm hooked. And, yeah. and Lee, Lee Child had a quote. I don't think I have the quote here, but he's basically said, um, if you read the first chapter, you'll want to read the second chapter. If you read the second chapter, you'll finish the book. Yeah. Basically, and that's the way it was. Yeah. Um, I read it in like eight or nine hours. Wow. Um, which is kind of fast for me. But she had to, um, she had to uh, run everything she wrote past the CIA. And so that they could vet everything and make sure she wasn't giving away anything. She didn't have to change anything, but um, the level of detail that she can bring to it is so great. But at its heart, it's the story of this woman who has to decide what's more important, her country or her family. She has three small kids, Mm -hmm. and her husband has been great to her, and 
now she's questioning everything she ever knew. Wow. It's, it's fantastic. Wow. It's great. I, I have a fascination with the fact that I think we don't truly ever know somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, people can put forth whoever they want to be to you, you yeah. know, so yeah. that's a, that book sounds like a really And that's absolutely what, she's, what she grapples with, and he tries to convince her that, you know, the real parts of him are real, and, you know... There are times when I was yelling at the book, going, you're, you're a CIA agent, don't believe him. But, <laughs> but, um, Just because he's your husband. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it's great, and it, it's one of those books that ends with, I need to read the second book now. Oh, it's going okay. to continue, and you need to know. Okay. I, I, which I just realized is the title of the right. book. I didn't say it. I didn't do that on purpose. I swear. Sure. I swear. But, um, but yeah, it's great. I mean, and as a page turner, it's top-notch. That's great. When is it one out? That um, came out at the end of January, oh, so that's out, out now. Oh, goody, that goody, one's out now. Goody, goody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know where Chris is going after we record. <laughs> I, uh, the next couple books uh, are won't aren't out yet. Okay. Um, so the next book um, is called Educated, and it comes out February twentieth. So it's out soon. Um, it's a memoir, and the author's name is Tara Westover, and she grew up in a, um, a, a survivalist Mormon family in the mountains of Idaho. Oh, my. And her father believed that um, teachers were trying to spread communism and all this other stuff, so the kids never went to school. Mm-hmm. Many of them did not have birth certificates. They never went to the doctors. Their mother, um, when, Tara was, when Tara was little, their mother became a midwife and started working with, like, oils and tinctures and things like that. So anything that happened to them could be fixed with one of her mother's concoctions. There's a scene where they get into a horrible, horrible car accident. None of them are wearing seatbelts because, you know, seatbelts are, you know, establishment, right. I guess. Um, <laughs> and uh, her mother is... Her head is thrown against the dashboard. dashboard. Yeah, and she has these horrible black eyes, which um, Tara later comes to re- comes to find out is called, I think, raccoon eye syndrome, and it's an evidence of severe brain damage, severe oh, brain trauma. And for a couple of years, her mother has to live in the basement because light is too intense for her. So, at some point, Tara gets the the nerve to tell her father that she wants to go to school. So the first time she steps into a school is when she attends college at age 18. Wow. Within 10 years, she has graduated from Cambridge with a PhD. Wow. That's impressive. It's, she's, such an, she's such a force of a, of a woman, but there are times when her family just succeeds in holding her back, and it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. She has a brother who is, who is, is um, physically and emotionally abusive to her, will hold her down with her head near the toilet until she admits that he's right, things like that. And it's it's really sad, but she has to decide whether she wants to be a, continue to be a part of her family or encounter the outside world. Yeah. And uh, another interesting thing is, and I don't think this is in the book, but she, um, when I had a chance to speak to her, she said that she learned how to write narratively um, because she had to write papers and things for, for school, but to write a narrative structure. She listened to the New York Times Authors Podcast where they would talk about how they wrote and how they structured scenes, she would listen to episodes of that over and over again yeah, and take notes. Right. So she's completely self-made. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she's just an incredible, incredible woman. And 
Um, I, so, someone compared it to The Glass Castle, which I have never read. I haven't either. But um, it, I think everyone who's, who's said that says it, it stands up with, to that book with the power mm-hmm. of the story. Well, it sounds similar because I did read The Glass Castle, which I loved. I mean, it's difficult to read, and this one sounds like it probably will be too. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, people who survive in spite of their families yeah. in particular, and our family of origins, of course, have yeah. a huge impact on who we become. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. Her father is amazing. Um, her father makes money by uh, collecting scrap metal, and there are scenes of her working in the scrap metal yard and he's like flinging pieces of metal and she's like having to duck and wow. you know there, there are horrible horrible accidents in there and there it's but it's just an incredible story that she mm. survives and and becomes this amazing person wow I like the cover too it has it's like a the tip of a pencil yeah it shows some of the color the wood and then the the lead yeah cool cover and then it's um but it, it, when you look at it more closely you realize she's it looks like it's a person standing on a mountain yeah and there's a she, the mountain she lives on her father refers to um this particular structure near the top as the indian princess so i see sort of the oh, lead yeah. or the graphite of the pencil as being her hair so yes. it, it, once you've read a little bit i mean that's in the beginning once you've read a little bit you realize how much more this cover means. Yeah. yeah. I, really... I love covers that do that, that mm-hmm. really speak to the book and are, are unique. Yeah. And not just stock photography. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. And she had said that they went through a lot of different covers for this. There was one with, like, flowers growing out of a pencil, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't mm-hmm. right for her. And a lot of people thought that this one would look too much like she was a teacher, oh. especially with the title Educated. Okay. But mm-hmm. once you've even read just a little bit of it, it makes it so meaningful, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So again, that when you said February, the end of February. Um, February 20th February 20th is the on sale date for that. Educated by Tara Westover. Um, the next one is doesn't come out until March 13th, so about a month away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Anatomy of a Miracle uh, by Jonathan Miles. The subtitle is a novel, but a novel has an asterisk next to it, and the uh, asterisk leads to the true story of a paralyzed veteran, a Mississippi convenience store, a Vatican investigation, and the spectacular perils of grace. Mm. So that's part of the subtitle. Mm. Now, that um, that little asterisk thing says a true story, but it actually is a novel. Okay. It's a novel, but it's written as if it's nonfiction. Oh. And the author said that he has had he has thought a, a lot about how nonfiction writers have taken over novelistic structures to tell their stories and he wanted to take a nonfiction structure and pull it into a novel. Nice. So it's like it's like it's being told by a person who knows everything that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And he said he didn't want it to be first person because the main character is someone who who a seemingly miracle happens to him. And he didn't want this person to be talking about how the miracle happened to them happened to them and he didn't want it to be someone or he didn't want to be an omniscient narrator, narrator because they would know whether it's a miracle or not. Oh, so right. this was sort of the structure, this outside person. Um, the, the main character um, is uh, Cameron Harris, who has returned from Afghanistan, paralyzed from the waist down. And about five years after he's, he's home, his sister wheels him down to the convenience store at the bottom of their street in, um, in Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, and she goes in to buy a pack of cigarettes, and he's sitting there, and he feels something, and he stands up. Wow. Oh. And because people on Facebook were praying for him, and they were praying to this particular person 
who another miracle has been ascribed to, the Vatican now has to investigate. Interesting. And they send <laughs> the devil's advocate, which is a real position. Oh. This this um, person who's affiliated with the with the church, he's not actually a priest, I don't think. I'm trying to remember. But he has to go, and he his job is to disprove this as a miracle. That's his intent. The That's why he's the devil advocate. advocate. Wow. He has to take the contrary view. <laughs> wow. So he's a character. Cameron's sister is a character. The people, the um, the couple, I think they're Vietnamese, the Vietnamese couple who runs the convenience store, which becomes a mecca for um. people to come because a, because a miracle happened in their parking lot. You get to know them. You get to know his doctor at the VA whose father becomes an interesting character. And I felt like you would, you're going through the story and then you'd follow one person for a little while and you get to love that person and then you'd jump back to the main part of the story. And um, I'll just say that it didn't go where I expected it to. And it, it's, it's such a hard book to describe. You know, you know how it is when you love a book so much that you just can't. Well, well, I think it's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I love books like that where you get so invested in a part and then it goes back to another section that you didn't know that you were missing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and at first, there's that little a little bit of a letdown, like, oh, we're leaving that. Yeah. But then you're happy to be coming back to yeah. this other thing. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and Sorry, I love I mean. books told from different characters' point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, I met him at the Booktopia in, was it Boulder? Mm-hmm. Is that where he was? Yep. He's a trip. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, and his <laughs> last book was was a ride too want not which was about yeah. um, I forget what it's called but it's basically like people who live off the trash and the things right. that have been discarded yeah food yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. Um, and he's really excited about this book and I, you know I think it's such a unique perspective the end the end of the book the acknowledgements the writer thanks the family for letting him tell their story but it's a novel. Right. Right. It's a that's novel. almost a little creepy, like um, what uh, reality TV, but reality yeah. book. You well, know? and and you know, when something like this happens in modern America, you can bet that reality TV comes calling, and that right. becomes yeah. an issue in here. You know, with these uh, cameras following the film. Yeah. So yeah. it's. I mean, it was just great. Oh, how fun! I'm excited. Yeah. I've been. I you. I think you five starred that on Goodreads a while ago, and yeah. so I've been itching for it to come out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a um, YA novel that's coming out in June by Marisha Pessel, who wrote uh, the Special Topics in Calamity Physics and then Night Film, which was one that I read and really loved. It was a book that had a lot of stuff in it, like pictures and documents, and it was almost sort of like multimedia. Yeah, I saw her in uh, in Illinois at uh, Anderson's bookstore mm-hmm. in Naperville. She yeah. was there, and I didn't read the book, but yeah. I was fascinated by it and her talk. And it was, was very creepy, and yeah. that's that's what this that's what this book is. So it's it's I think it's her first time writing YA. It's called Neverworld Wake, which is a kind of a, a weird title, but it has a very specific meaning. Uh, the main character in this book is a girl named B, uh, short for Beatrice, who lives in. Um, Westerly, Rhode Island. Her family runs a... Wow. Um, Love that place. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is... A, the entire book takes place in Rhode Island. Cool. Which is where I live, so I loved it. Um, and her family runs, like, a little uh, crab shack or clam shack um, uh, ice cream place. And she's just come back from her first year at college, um, I think at Emerson in Boston. And she's going to reconnect with her friend she hasn't seen since high school, since her boyfriend died mysteriously. Mm-hmm. 
So she goes to see them, and they, um, her friend, one of her friends has, her family has a big mansion, which I sort of imagined was somewhere like in North Kingstown, somewhere near URI, partway up the Rhode Island coast. And she hangs out with them for a little bit. They all go out to a concert in Newport. When they're coming back, they are in a car accident that leaves them in a ditch. And they, so they manage to get back to the house where this person comes and knocks on the door and said, um, you're all still in the ditch. One of you will survive. The rest will die. Oh, you have to vote. Oh, oh man. <laughs> creepy. And every time they try to leave, the next day they find themselves back at the house. Oh, my. And, and, oh. and, and the, the mystery of how her boyfriend died um, is investigated because they realize they have basically all the time in the world because they just keep resetting to the night. And it gets very creepy. And you wonder, how are they ever going to come to an agreement on who is going to survive? Um, It's really good. (laughs) That's YA. Yeah, it's YA. It's sort of like um, um, We Were Liars by E. Lockhart, which was, you know, sort of about something not similar, but dark like that. Mm -hmm. So that's Never World Wake uh, by Marisha Pessel, and that comes out June 5th. Um, I'll I'll talk about one more book, I think. keeping with the Rhode Island theme. Um, this one comes out also in June, June 19th, um, Providence by Caroline Kepnes, who wrote a book called You, which I think was a, a pretty big thriller. I didn't read it, but um, uh, I've heard about name. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Providence, it starts in New Hampshire, I think in the Nashua area, and it's this high school um, boy and girl who are friends, and he's starting to feel more and is starting to figure out how he's going to say something to her. And he's walking home from school, or um, from somewhere, and he hears a noise behind him, and he turns around, and he's, the last thing he thinks before he gets hit over the head is, it's that weird substitute teacher from last year. Oh. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so he goes missing, and everyone's wondering where he is, and two years later, he wakes up, and he's alone in this room, on the table next to him is a copy of an H.P. Lovecraft book called The Dunwich Horror with a note that says something along the lines of, I look forward to seeing how your powers grow. Ooh. And he has no idea what's happened to him. And he, without giving away too much, he um, moves to Providence because that's where Lovecraft was from. And as he investigates, he finds out that that weird substitute teacher is a disgraced professor from Brown. So he moves there and starts to investigate what might have happened to him. He knows at this point, but I'm not going to tell you, he knows at this point what his power is. Um, And so you get his point of view, you get the point of view of the girl that he left behind when he he was uh, kidnapped, and you get the point of view of a police officer in Providence who's investigating odd things. Right. Um, that sounds really it's, good. it's so cool. <laughs> and it's weird and it's supernatural, but it's at heart it's a book about changing, mm-hmm. about growing up. Mm-hmm. And in his case growing into something else. Um so cool. it's it was creepy and fun. <laughs> That's not where I thought you were gonna go with it because I had this thought as you were saying in the very beginning, like that so many people when there is an assault they know the person. Mm-hmm. 
you know so it's like I was like oh that kind of gives like turns my stomach the yeah. idea that someone would that could be one of their last thoughts yeah know? yeah oh, it's my neighbor yeah. you know or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I'm glad that it ended up being a really interesting mm-hmm. you know not totally creepy and you know I there are books where you hate to even talk about it too much yeah. because sometimes and I think that's one of my um one of the positives of my job and I think I, I texted you guys about this or something is going into it not knowing very much about it not hearing any hype yeah going into it completely fresh yeah like this book I'm reading now I don't even know what it's going to be called that's yeah. awesome you know yeah. I love that yeah, yeah. it's really it's, it's really like a pure reading experience absolutely yeah absolutely I have one question for you I hope we're not running out of yeah, too much sure. time yeah. um how do you, like, I know a lot of times, like, when you're going to sales conference and stuff, you have to just read bits of a book. Mm-hmm. But how do you, like, get the time to, or choose to read an entire book? Well, the, the way we work it is the publisher will send out a list of priority titles. So each publisher, so I work with Random House and I work with Crown. Each of those two will send out, like, maybe a list of, like, eight priority titles. And my boss will have all of us in his region Rank the, rank the titles based on what we want to read. And then he'll come back and say, all right, you read these three on each side. Okay. And you don't even have to read the whole thing, but you have to read enough to be able to talk about it, to have a sense of how your stories will react to it. Um, so it used to be that you could take like the week and a half or two weeks before sales conference and do nothing but read, and that, that doesn't happen anymore. I do all my reading nights and weekends, but... Um, there are certain books where it'll just grab you and you won't read something else until you finish it. Yeah. And yeah. I've had I've had seasons where no book has grabbed me like this, mm. like that. And for some reason, the books I'm reading for this fall, three books have grabbed me like that. The first three books I read. Wow. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited about the things that are coming out and um and one of the most common things that reps will say at sales conference was is that I was reading this and I was loving it so much but I had to put it down to read something else. Right. And sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. yeah. But I'm so far far enough like I have enough time now that I can read what I want to. Mm. As it gets a little closer I'll be like okay I have to right. I have to read bit, right. bits yeah. and pieces of 30 other books yeah. so yeah. that I can talk about them. But um, I think the hardest part is when you find something like that that you love and then you never get back to it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure when you put it down, you think, oh, I'll just step back into this in a month or something, yep. and then you and, just get busy. And then, you know, you're starting to get early manuscripts for the following season. Right, yeah. Or exactly. a book from another publisher has come out that you can't wait to read. And yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's tough. But yeah. it's because um, it's a great job, and because we all envy you. Yeah. yeah well, but, uh, you should you should start like a little have like a little notebook that you have, you know, my retirement reading list yeah. and like books to come back to. Yeah. I actually because I read, um, we get our manuscripts digitally, and so I have an e-reader, and I'll put. Um, I have started a collection that says must finish. Okay. Oh, good. I haven't actually finished any of them yet, but they're there. (laughs) They're waiting for me. The thought is there. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. Now, how do you, how do you find the books that you would like to read? I know you're in bookstores a lot. and Bookstores, podcasts. Okay. Um, you guys talked about something recently. I'm not going to be able to remember now, but there was something that you guys talked about that I put on my Goodreads Mm -hmm. to to be read list. So, I mean, just like anybody else. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I get, I mean, the, the only possibly different ways is that I get Publishers Weekly magazine, which has reviews for upcoming things, and sometimes I'll see a review there that that interests me, but, you know, staff picks in bookstores. Yeah, yeah. Talking to booksellers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true because the other publishers have their top mm-hmm. sellers, right? And you go in, and so you're the the book sellers. At, I always get this wrong. Anne corrected me one time. You're a book rep, but yep. then there are book sellers in the bookstores. Right. And they probably, you know, you might walk in someday and say, hey, they want you to read this other really exciting book that they're selling a lot of, right? The first thing I ask every buyer when I sit down is, what are you reading? Mm. You know, because, yeah. I mean, it, it helps me in my job to know right. that there's this, if four people say that there's this great book, if four people say they're reading the same book and loving it, then I can go back to my publisher and say, there's this great book coming out on this date. You might want to be aware of what right. we're publishing around then yeah, you know but smart. also yeah. but also for me it's like four people said they love this book mm-hmm. I should check it out right yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Cool. now do you ever get wary of reading yeah yeah how yeah. do you how do you handle that when it's your job to read do um, you have any advice for people you know I take a break I take a break from reading I'll either just read comics or I'll just watch TV mm-hmm. um Sometimes listening to an audiobook can mm-hmm. help me get back into it. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I think I go through it like anybody else. Yeah. Or just the, the annoyance of trying four books in a row that you don't like, and you're yeah. like, God, when am, I, am I ever going to find something that I want to read again? Yeah. And yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes I'm reading books for work, and I just can't get into anything, and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But um, luckily, the, the, the work reading time is, like, for about six weeks, three times a year. Mm-hmm six to eight weeks three times a year so after sales conference I can still be reading for the list mm-hmm. you know making myself more familiar but if I don't have to if I already know how I'm going to sell a book I can move on to something right. else right it's not as pressurized yeah. yeah I mean people will say you know oh you've got the new um, I'm trying to think of a big author we published and of course they all go out of my head <laughs> you know you've got the new Salman Rushdie coming out you know are you excited to read it and it's like yeah but I don't have to Right. I don't need to read that book to right. sell it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm yeah. reading smaller, smaller authors, you know, mid-list books that don't have the attention that a Salman Rushdie might. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We'll talk about one of your authors who is getting a lot of attention, Chloe Benjamin. Mm-hmm. I know you went to see her at her book signing. Was it at the Harvard? The Harvard Bookstore. Yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about how that event was? It was great. It was the last event, last stop on her tour. Um, she had found out a week before that she was uh, on the New York Times bestseller list and um, there were a lot of people there who were family but I could tell there were a lot of people who were just there because they were intrigued by the book and one of the great questions uh, that someone asked her was you know would you want to know when you were going to die and she said no absolutely not they talked about she talked about why she came how she came up with the idea of the book did she have a, a weird um, fortune teller story of her own. No, yeah. she didn't. Um, and just the structure of writing it. Did she write the sections individually, or did she put it all together? And she said she writes very linear, lin- linear, in a linear fashion. Because I don't know how to add a ly to that word. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was it was um, it was great. She's so young. She's like twenty nine. Wow. And um, but she's so in awe of everything that's happening to her. Which makes you really feel good about books and reading and everything. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the other author, but she, uh, Chloe Benjamin recently tweeted about some author that tweeted about her, and she was like, "I can die happy now." So yeah. I love yeah. that too. Yeah. Like when you know. authors are, you know, there. She's having such a great moment in her career, but she's still completely in awe of some. Yeah, other starstruck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. There's always going to be someone bigger than you. Yeah. Who? Of course. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was. It 
was fun. Cool. That's great. Wow. All right. Well, well, thank you so much, yeah. Michael. We really appreciate. Thanks you for having taking me on. The time to talk with us. You know. Yeah. Maybe in maybe in eight months I can tell you guys about that book that's coming out in January. <laughs> We'd love to have you back. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah. Yes. We'll have you know. to find another weird place. Hey, maybe we can record on the beach and. Oh, island somewhere. That would be cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Come yeah. to my little town. We have great restaurants and yeah, I've been wanting we have a to tiny go. little beach, yeah. but it's fun, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of my goals for the coming um, season is to paddle more over mm-hmm. island because it's such a, there's so many great estuaries and yeah. stuff. So the end of my yeah. street is the Kickamewit River. Oh. Which wow. is a great little place for paddling. So. Oh, cool. Where is it? All right, we're there. Cool. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you. (laughs)